Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hi, welcome to the podcast. This is uh, Deacon John and uh, soon to be Father Joe. That no, is not true. Soon to be Father John, and not so soon to be Deacon Joe, but and someday. never to be Father Mike. Father Mike, we're here with our producer Mike. Producer, that sounds so official. Uh, shout out, quick shout out to I met a guy today. Do you named, remember his name this time? Oh shoot, Pellucci, last name oh. Dominic. Oh, you know, you met Dominic Pellucci. Yeah, I met Dominic Pellucci, and Dominic Pellucci said that he's a focus missionary out at the University of Connecticut. And that there's a bunch of kids out there who listen to podcasts. So oh, for real? So if you are in Connecticut right now listening to this and you're under the age of 23, thanks for listening. Oh, that was a good good job with that shout out. Thank you. That was one of your better ones. You know what I'm going to do today while you're uh, giving the topic? I'm just going to do exactly. Are you going to be rapping? Because that's what you look like. You look like a like a white rapper right now. Do you see what I'm doing right now? I'm just going to scroll through my iPhone. This is what Joe does whenever I'm giving a topic. He just goes, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, tell me about how that relates to the faith. No, tell me about how that relates to the Trinity. And you're always like, you're not even paying attention. <laughs> but I'm jerk. actually trying to help you out. Okay, go ahead. Enlighten me with are wisdom. You gonna, are you got you ready? Are we doing questions first? No, I just – John wants to – he really wanted to pick the email this I time. never get to pick the email because I don't have an iPhone and Joe does. And uh, so we're, I get to pick an email this time. It's very exciting. But uh, we're going to do that at the end. All right. Well, you're, you're ready, though. You got an email picked up. Yeah, I got nothing. All right. Good. <laughs> All right. Today, uh, John, what if what if when you died, people remembered you as uh, like John the Great or John the, I don't know, Venerable or John the Confessor? Just spare the rhetorical <laughs> questions and move to the topic, please. We're going to talk about Maximus. Maximus? Do you know anything about Maximus? The Confessor? The Confessor. Uh, little. Tell me what you know. Uh, okay. Eighth century. Is that right? Yeah, I think you are right on that. He was very much so involved. Oh, seventh century. Okay. Yeah, all right, thanks. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> uh, involved in the Monothelite. Ah, there you go. Controversy. Great, great um, follower of Dionysius the Areopagite, my man. He is. That's right. And, um, a, a personality who was hugely influential in the Eastern Church. Uh, and has recently been rehabilitated in the West. Probably the last hundred years, they've started to see how much of a good influence. Yeah, he's been. he was, he was awesome. He was huge. Maximus the Confessor, um, and it's interesting. He's not the Confessor. Like when I heard his name, I was like, Maximus is a cool name. Confessor, what's that about? Is it like he was good at confessions? He was a good confessor, if you will. But it has nothing to do with that. It's actually much more. He was incredibly courageous in his confession of faith right in the in the midst in the face of like ridiculous opposition uh so much so that they chopped his tongue out or Ooh. dug it out as dr barstead described, oh. which is totally horrific and Nasty. chopped his hand off so he could no longer right. write or speak his you know quote-unquote heresy whoa so this guy's super intense uh, and super awesome. And he has a sweet name. I mean, Maximus. Maximus. That's a sweet name. Well, you like it just because it's Gladiator, the movie. I know. That's the main reason, probably. <laughs> but if I had a child, maybe I would name him Maximus. But you never will. So enjoy that bourbon. <laughs> I'll drink my I'll drink away my sorrows. We, uh, since the last time you listened, I finished mine and Joe started his. We did these back-to-back. We're not drinking every day. So. It's, it's true. <laughs> not bourbon, at least. Um, and John took my coffee cup, and now he's drinking a... The very strong coffee I made him. It's disgusting. It's actually really watered down. <laughs> okay. I just put more water in the pot. But, all right. Anyway, that's horrible. Maximus. 
So Maximus. So, okay, so, yeah, John was almost right when he talked about him being in the 7th, 8th century. He's in the 7th century. Uh, and this guy lived, I, you know me, I love the I love the church fathers, and I love podcasting about them because I keep doing it. Uh, who, we talked about Ambrose once, and now we're talking about Maximus. Mm-hmm. And he's right, he was an Eastern guy, uh, super big, one of the Eastern fathers, um, and uh, super important for uh, having a proper understanding of how Christ, who Christ was and how he worked. John, are you even paying attention over there? You're I, just... I'm preparing a... <laughs> I'm preparing an email. Go ahead. Exactly. Now I'm you know sorry. what it's now like. You can, you can do it. Exactly. Now you know I'm just, what it's I just like. want you to experience it. <laughs> All um, right. So we have to, for, to do this, we have to understand the situation he was in. The empire at the time, uh, this is in the 7th century, as you said. Yeah. And uh, so in the early church, when the Roman emperor was always persecuting Christians, you know, we all always persecutions. Why was he persecuting Christians? What was that about? It was always, almost always, uh, This is, I guess this is how empires work. We don't have one now, so it's hard to relate. But the best way I, a lot of these emperors saw to unifying their empire... Was religion. Was religion. They, right. they thought, if we could get everybody worshipping the same way and believing the same things, this will unify our empire. Right. And right. that's what the Romans did. And so they said, you know, we're going to go back to our, our pagan religion. And anybody who's not worshipping our religion, is, we're going to persecute. So that's why the Christians were persecuted in the right. early church, which... Had a, you know gave us an incredible witness of faithfulness to the truth in the church, but was also horrible because it, you know, people are dying. Uh, the church had a hard time growing, even though it was uh, having these great witnesses. So when Christianity became legal, it was a great thing because you know now we could live in peace and we could catechize well. Um, but we stopped fighting with other people and we started, as you said, I think once we started fighting each other, right? Right. Right. And uh, and a lot of times it was over the same thing. So anyway, you had these emperors now who are Christian emperors, but, you know, to keep their empire together, they thought the same thing. Christianity, you know, we all need to be believing the same things and doing the same thing. In fact, a lot of the councils, you know, the first council of Nicaea in 325 was actually called by Constantine right. because, you know, there were half the people were saying that Jesus was God. Half people were saying Jesus wasn't God. These are the Arians and right. the Orthodox. So Constantine's like, hey, you guys are tearing this empire apart. We need to work this out, so you need to you need to have a council to figure this thing out. And so he called this Council of Nicaea, which was you know so in some ways this is a great thing because it forces the church to define the doctrines and to unify the church. So that can be a really great thing, but it can all be also be a horrible thing. Can be used for political power, exactly. Um, and so this is the situation Maximus found himself in. It wasn't the Arian controversy about where Jesus. was Maximus, by the way. Oh, Maximus, he was, I think, born in, like, Palestine, but he okay. ended up being in Constantinople for a lot of it. Constantinople, okay. Mm-hmm. He was a Constantinople it's Istanbul. Guy, which is the center of the empire right. at this point in the 7th century. So, anyway, there's all this controversy. And when Maximus was alive, the big issue, as you mentioned, was monothelitism, which is mono, one, thelos is will. So, right. the, either the question of how many wills Christ had. Did he have right. one will or two wills? Uh, and this is the big controversy. The em- and the emperor was a monothelite. He was a, you know, a Christian guy, but he believed this heresy of, you know, one will. So Jesus had two natures but one will. Exactly. This is this is the this is the debate. And at the time, a lot of people were going with the one will, which is not right. Um, but so they <clears throat> the emperor to unify the empire started persecuting anybody who didn't have who didn't profess this one will thing. And even like the pope and stuff like that, he was he was trying to get the Pope to believe this, and he was trying to unify this empire in this heresy hmm. and began persecuting a lot of people for it. So, and- it's so funny because, like, we think of, like, why why would they care? 
I know. You know? It's like, that's what you always think. But like these were an intensely, intensely religious people. They have a profound, profound sense of it. Uh, in a way that we don't, just being modern men and women. I mean, they were, they would be rioting in the streets if a heretic was a bishop or something like that. I mean, like these people would go crazy. It was crazy. It was stuff. the most important thing possible. Mm-hmm. So there was just insane passion. Yeah. So. It was super huge. Um, and you'll find that they're, they're killing each other over it as well, not just rioting and with signs and stuff. So, right. uh, but Maximus is called the confessor because of his great courage in this. And eventually, uh, he ends up going to, Getting called, you know, and he was like a huge name uh, wherever he was. He was an abbot of a few different monasteries, and he was kind of he was kind of the leader of this. He's like the Rondo of the theological world. Rondo, Rondo. Haven't you been watching basketball? Like Rondo from Boston? Yeah, exactly. What does that even mean? Did you see that guy? He got injured and then he came back out with like a busted arm. Oh, with his he played elbow? one arm. Yeah, that was that was amazing. crazy. That was amazing. Yeah, too okay. bad they got killed the next game. Yeah, but you I know, know. Well, I. I'm not even a Celtics fan. I, I liked Larry Bird like 25 years ago, but that was about it. Who do you? Are you a Nuggets fan? No, I basketball. No, no. <laughs> you're a hockey. Player. Hockey. Okay, continue. That's right. Um, so anyway, he Maximus was the like, the name. You know, the Pope. Uh, people. A lot of people respected him, and his. Uh, he was just. He was. He was. He had the title of the theologian. Right. You know, he was kind of a big theological guy, and uh, but eventually he gets. You know, the, the emperor really wants him to profess this faith. Right. And eventually they capture him and they kind of have him and they're questioning him. And they're saying, you know, explain to us how this works. Um, and, you know, we want you to profess this. The pope has professed uh, that Christ is one will, which is a total lie. But they would tell him these things to try to get him to say. And he, and he would, without even knowing what the pope said, he would say, I know the pope didn't say that because... He's the Pope, and he can he will not profess a heresy, yeah. and this is a heresy. And so he had this great love for the Pope, even though he was an Eastern guy. He's kind of one of the last great figures of the uh, the Eastern, I guess, loyalty, respect, wanting to be unified with right. Rome in a way, uh, which is beautiful to see. But uh, yeah, eventually, him and a few other guys, even the Pope himself, got captured, put on trial by the Emperor, and uh, wouldn't change that. And he just stood up in the Emperor's face and said, "It is not possible that Christ could have one will." And eventually the emperor was like, you're destroying this empire with this heresy. You know, it was very political for him. So they dug out his tongue, cut off his hand, sent him up to the Black Sea, uh, exiled somewhere on the Black Sea, and he died like... And this, he was 80 years old when all this happened. Oh, my so, gosh. That's, so, cr- that's crazy. Yeah, he's a super intense guy. But um, So what you're saying is monothelitism is bad. Exactly. Okay, gotcha. But this is the other question, too. Uh, what is... So why is it even important if Christ has one will or two wills? That's tell, a good question. Tell me about it. Uh, I mean, isn't this just kind of like some abstract theological thing? Like, why does this even matter? Well, it kind of is. Uh, Are you going to look it up on Wikipedia there? I was going to go to Wikipedia. But um, the uh, it seems to me, Joe, that if you are – if you have defined that God, Christ has two wills – I'm on. sorry, that he has two natures, but one will, then it's almost like he doesn't really have a human nature because he's just like blasts in with this divine will. So in many ways, you're rejecting the humanity of Christ by saying he doesn't have a will. Or you're in some way denying his divinity by saying he doesn't – that you're mingling the two natures uh, and there is no separation. There is separation. There's division uh, between the two even though they're fully held together according to Chalcedon's understanding, the mm-hmm. Council of Chalcedon's understanding of uh, – the two natures of Christ. So it seems to me like what is at stake is the humanity and the divinity of Christ. That's just off the top of my head. No, and that was great. And that was his argument. Okay. That if Christ didn't have a human will, then he's not completely human. And if he's not completely human, that means that we're not completely saved, you know? Exactly. Um, so this is actually like a super central 
truth of our faith, not just kind of some arbitrary abstract thing. Um, and this is important because he would, he would not only quote the fathers, the earlier fathers of the church and saying Christ had two wills and, and quote the Pope himself and quote scripture, but he would bring up these passages from scripture. Uh, and the big one he always talked about was the garden of Gethsemane, you know, where Christ is saying, you know, not my will, but your will be done to the Mm. father. Um, and he's like, this is so important, not just because it is evidence that Christ has two wills, but because Christ has two wills, uh, you know, his divine will and his human will, he teaches us how to be human. And it's beautiful because his whole point was that we become most human and most free uh, and, and we realize our potential as creatures of God most when we, uh, instead of kind of caving in ourselves, we move outside of ourselves um, and submit our will Hmm. Uh, and conform our will to the divine will. And that's where our, our humanity is realized the most. When we actually, in a free choice of love and obedience, enter in. we enter into and conform our will to the divinity, uh, the Father's will, which is a beautiful thing. So, with that, I mean, that's a beautiful prayer to pray. Uh, not my will, but yours be done. And Christ teaches us, because he has two wills and he's fully human, teaches us how to be fully human. So it's kind of a huge thing. But it's interesting with Maximus, because when he died... I think it was like six six sixty two, uh, and he was killed. Pope was killed. The emperor was kind of going crazy uh, with persecuting the people who would profess the two wills. Uh, and Maximus, who was the leader of this teaching, uh, was being killed. You know, so when he died, he was eighty years old, and he's like, "Wow, this world and the Christian faith is totally in jeopardy. This emperor is totally destroying the faith right. for the sake of his own empire." And it was kind of a hopeless situation, dying, you know, tongueless in one hand uh, somewhere in the Black Sea. But it's beautiful because only, I think it was 20 or 30 years later, the Third Council of Constantinople was called to figure this issue out. And most of the empire was the one will people, you know, were in heresy. Um, but this council straightened so many things out and they used Maximus's writings. He was like the teacher of the council. Uh, in, 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 he wasn't there, but his writings were so influential that they looked at these things and they said, this is the true faith, this is orthodox, and they professed the two wills at the Council of That's interesting. I had always thought he was there. That's funny. No, he died. So it was, it was just crazy that he, he died so in such yeah. a hopeless situation, uh, but not knowing that only 20 or 30 years later, uh, this is all straightened out, and it was because of his, the gift of his life uh, that the church has him to thank in a lot of ways and the spirit working through him. Isn't that beautiful though? Yeah. Just like 30 years, he, he was exonerated that, that soon. And that, th- that was really the last great council of the East and the West because after that, you're going to have the great schism. So mm-hmm. in, in many ways, the seventh ecumenical Well, you had Nicaea. Nicaea was net two, the icon of the Oh, yeah, Nicaea too. Was after that. Ah, you always got to correct me. It's <laughs> all right. The, uh, that's good. Good stuff. That's a huge thing. But I, I love that about, um, about obedience and about Christ teaching us with because he has a human will, teaching us how to be human. Me and Mike were talking about this earlier before you got here because um, uh, we were just talking about marriage and the beauty of kind of laying down your life. And this is, it's, it's true that uh, obedience, we, we think of it in our world, we think of true freedom as kind of like doing your own thing, being a bachelor, kind of having your own say of right, your life. Right. But Christ teaches that the, that the most, uh, how to be a human being, how to fully realize uh, your potential as a human being uh, made in the image of God is to have someone to be obedient to, mm. you know, and every vocation is kind of ordered to obedience, like for the priesthood, obviously to our bishops and to just to the faith, uh, passing on the faith and to anybody who's in marriage to a mutual submission and obedience to one another uh, and to the lifestyle that they're 
that they are called to live. And it's a beautiful thing because it's in that obedience, which we see as such a negative thing in our culture. Uh, it's in that obedience that we actually learn how to be free mm-hmm. and how to be human by conforming, by saying, not my will, but your will be done. I know. And we think of obedience as like uh, anti-human, denial of humanity. Like right now, I don't know what my assignment is. I'm going to be a priest in 10 days, but I still don't know where I'm going. But there's something very freeing and beautiful. Not that it's easy, but in the obedient act of just kind of, I'm totally ready to serve the Lord and whatever he desires, whatever he needs. I'm just ready to go. So... It's awesome. Yeah. You're living it, man. Woo! So living that's the Maximus. dream. Maximus, Maximus. Confessor. You ready for this question? Uh, all right. Let's do it. It's funny because it's a question kind of like the Monothelite heresy. Oh, go on. This is from Janelle from Nebraska. Janelle. Janelle. Uh, hi there. Great podcast. I look forward to each week and I've learned a lot, uh, especially John's. They're so much better. Oh, wait. <laughs> she, she didn't write that. Sorry. It's amazing how a little thing called an iPod can evangelize. That's very true. The only question I have right now, quote, 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 or dash, dash, dash. What 80s songs do you listen to when you wash dishes? I need all the help I can get with the dishes. Do we listen to 80s songs? We, the only band we listen to is, is Journey, right? That's right. Uh, so Journey, Janelle, but most of it's not 80s. Most of it's 90s, right? I 90s? I think it's probably like, I don't know what you call it. We really listen, to, we really listen to one song. There's like four songs, No, I no like. like. Well, basically one, though. Which is the one you're thinking of. It's the remix of Mas Kenada, or Mash Kenada, Mas Kenada. by, uh, originally by, what's his uh, name? Uh, the Black Eyed Peas cover. Black Eyed Peas I don't know why it. it's like our Sergio dish. Mendes. Sergio Mendes did it in the 70s. Black Eyed Peas remade it in like 2004. So I thought you were going to say Science Sealed Delivered. Oh, and Stevie Wonder, Science Sealed Delivered. So 70s and 2000s, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, Janelle, not very helpful. But those are kind of our two dish songs. Yeah, you totally let me off the hook of that question. Yep. I thought you were going to ask me about like why Jesus died for our sins or something. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, Next no week, I'll get you. So go ahead and email us some really awesome questions. We appreciate we your emails, and we're always amazed that people listen. <laughs> we are. <laughs> Every week, I'm astonished. I'm like, wow, they, they listen to the whole thing. That's crazy. Um, yeah, so that's about it. We'll see you next week. Still not a priest, but in podcast time, I impart my priestly blessing to you all. But it's crazy. Ten days to go, keeping your prayers retroactively. That's about it. <laughs> Way to land that one smoothly, man. That's good. All right. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Facebook as well. Uh, Catholic Stuff Podcast. Check us out. Just-